Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. It's Memorial Day weekend. Be careful. I actually saw two motorcycle cops out on uh, I-40 today getting ready for the holiday weekend. They're out there. Be careful. Don't speed. Wear a seatbelt. Don't text and drive. Don't drink and drive. Call an Uber. Call a taxi. Walk. Drink at home. But if you find yourself needing legal representation, Marcos Garza and his team are East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyer. They handle criminal defense as well as personal injury. If you need a lawyer, chances are they can help you. If not, they will recommend, they will refer you to someone who can help you and maybe suit you better for your needs because that's what Marcos Garza and his team want to give you the best result possible. Garzalaw.com, 865-540-8300. You can get in touch with someone 24-7, 365. Don't say guilty. Say Garza. Let's get to the episode. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to the unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The Holy War is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you Monday, May 22nd. It's Hoover week. Seth joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. It's good to hear your voice, as per usual. How you feeling? You made it to Hoover week. Uh, I think you have to feel pretty good, considering going from five and ten and finishing eleven and four. I think the only, I think Auburn. I guess Auburn might have finished like twelve and three over the last fifteen. I think Auburn was the best team the last five weeks, but you know Tennessee did go eleven and four. I don't think anybody expected them to to do that after the first five weeks. There was hope that the first five weeks were just really really tough with the number of teams you had to play that were in the top, you know, five in the country. Mm-hmm. But 11-4 and four is still a pretty good mark. Yeah, especially because, I mean, A&M ended up not being very good. Kentucky and South Carolina ended up being good somewhat. I mean, I'm not buying South Carolina. But, you know, like the back half, still, you still swept Vandy. I mean, a top eight seed, so... I think it's pretty impressive to do what they did that that last back half for sure. And then to finally win the road series. Do you come out of this weekend feeling good? Andrew Lindsay and Chase Dollander both pitched really well. The offense, for the most part, you know, played pretty well, at least in two of the games. Or do you come out worrying that it was still a kind of a pitching mismanagement by Tony Vitello in game one of the doubleheader that, you know, looked a lot like, well, I mean, like it doesn't look a lot, it doesn't, you know, mirror what happened against Notre Dame, but it was Notre Dame, you know, making a pitching mistake that ended your season last year. Not the same scenario, obviously, but 
Do you come out feeling good about the team or still worrying like, ah, man, we can just lose it with one bad Tony decision, which he's known to do a couple times? Uh, I feel really good about the team. Uh, yeah, Tony's not perfect. He mismanages pitchers some. I, mean, I would say that's his biggest flaw, right? It's his, it's his biggest flaw, and, like, I just don't let it – I don't focus on it because, like, I still think he's the best coach in the country. I've still taken him over anybody else. Okay. He's 44, 43. 40, I mean, like, I'm still taking him over anybody else. So it's like, okay, he has this one – it's not like a Les Miles type thing. It's not quite that bad. But, actually, I feel really good about the team, and I think the fact that they finally won a road series is probably third on the list of reasons why. One is because, like, Chase Dolander pitched like he did last year, finally. Team just cannot give him any damn run support, though. They, they cannot help him out, but he was absolutely dominant. I mean, he was incredible. And then, two, they actually, like, showed some mental fortitude by bouncing back and crushing South Carolina in game three. And then third, I would say, is that they finally won a road series. But I have been on the record saying that some of the road series stuff I thought was a little overplayed because of who they played on the road. Now, they did play terrible against Georgia. but Georgia and Missouri were both kind of inexcusable. Yeah. And so, yeah. The Tony stuff, it's just like, yeah, it was terrible, man. It was like he just totally, he, he like... You know, it's like he was bound and determined not to do to Dolander what he did to Bean at Georgia. Like, what was frustrating was that, like, one guy had gotten the bat on the ball against Dolander. And it was, you know, he, he had the home run and then he had the single and that was it. And like Kyle Peterson kept saying in game two, the first game on Saturday, was that Dolander was like getting better as the game went on. You know, like, there was that absurd stab like Dolander's ERA in the first inning is like over 10 this year. And then after that, it's like two. Yeah. yeah like Dolander was like, he was just kept ascending Saturday. And he just kept getting, you know, like Christian Moore would make an error. It didn't matter. He would get out of it. You know, it was like, it was so unnecessary because I don't think anybody felt threatened after. It was just a runner on first, right? Yeah, it was That's a runner on first. And, and all that being said, look, all that being said, like Zane Denton is was all defense SEC last year, okay? Burns comes in, and that guy hits one right to Denton. It's not even hit particularly hard, and Denton just whiffs. Okay, that should have been a double play. It was such an easy double play, and Denton just whiffs it. And then the next batter, Petri, their, their star freshman, he hits one in the hole, and like Maui Ahuna is an enigma. He he somehow doesn't get to that ball, even though he's fast. He somehow doesn't get to these balls. There was two over the weekend, that one included, that you just are sure he's going to get to, and he just doesn't even come close. And like Maui was terrible in game two. That was probably, I was, you know, like I was just as mad about Maui Ahuna as I was about Tony, I think. Because when there's two outs and Christian Moore finally breaks through and gets that big hit, Malayahuna gets thrown out because he doesn't start running when the ball is hit. Bro, there are two outs. That is Little League elementary stuff. It was like, like I could not believe that he got thrown out, John. I could not believe that it was even close. Like, yeah, okay, well, sure, whatever. I mean, like, the stuff that was like, you know... 
Props to the South Carolina guy for a great play. Was It's kind of eye-rolly to me because the play is squarely on Ahuna being brain-dead at that moment the ball is hit. Like, if he's just thinking, it's an easy run. And then he should have. I feel like he should have caught the ball in the hole that Petrie hit. But regardless, Denton, they scored that a hit, but that one was an error by Denton. And that's a double play, and boom, who knows at that point. Like, yeah, what Tony did was stupid, but the defense... The defense did lose their mind in game two a little bit. Okay. But uh, it's 100% Tony's fault. Don't get me wrong. It's 100% Tony's fault. Well, it sounds like it's 70% Tony, 30% defense. The defense, like, I just, the left side of the defense. Especially because Dolander was striking people out. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like when, if Dolander would have stayed in that we even know if those balls would have been hit. You know what I mean? Like, because he was missing bats all day. Yeah, yeah. They weren't even. still got to give him the most credit for, for, you know, the, the meltdown. But, yeah, the defense. Could have made a couple easy plays. Tony deserves the vast... First of all, he deserves the majority of it because he's the professional here. But he deserves the vast, vast, vast. It was absolutely stupid to pull Dolander. You could say Maui is a professional, too. Yeah. but don't really I, use that excuse anymore in college. I find our left side of the infield just perplexing at times. Denton will make awesome plays. And so will Huna sometimes. And, and then, like, they'll just... Denton's made quite a few errors for the guy that was all defense. I mean, part of the allure of him is his defense. And then Maui leads the team in strikeouts and has, like Ned said in the baseball channel over the weekend, like when, when Ahuna strikes out, I mean, my, my goodness, my goodness, it looks like he has never picked up a bat before. But then he'll, he'll lace one in the gap like he did on Saturday. And you're just like, okay, now I see why people are so enthralled by him, mesmerized by him. Yeah, I see why, like, that was such an easy swing on an outside pitch that he takes into the opposite field gap, and it's just like, okay, well, you can see why. But man, when he's bad, he is bad. I will give Tony credit, he always owns it after the game. Yes, he does, he does, 100%. He does say, like, yeah, that was probably a mistake, I, I blew that. So I do give coaches credit for that. And it wasn't like one of those situations last night, you know, what what Vitello said is everybody kind of knows it and it's okay to admit it. You you earn points by admitting the obvious in that instance. Like yeah, you made a wrong decision. Own up to it. I thought it you know unlike I thought it was wild last night watching Joe Mazzula from the Celtics basically come out and say yeah uh, we got locker room problems and I don't know how to get through my through to my team right now. It's obvious we all just watched you get your ass kicked, but it's one of those things you don't admit to the media. Tony yeah. admitting he fucked up, okay, obvious, but we appreciate it. Yeah. Azula admitting that, eh, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. I will, the other, a couple other things is that, um, I think everyone in the back of their minds was worried about Drew Beam, like, hitting the wall again like he did last year. That's not the case. He was really, really good. Were you surprised he got the ball in game three? I was, but I'm I'm very thankful that he did. I think that was a great move by Tony. It's just weird to me. Tony made it seem like he was Tony was like, yeah, Drew Beam. He was going to make sure that what happened last weekend didn't happen this weekend. Kind of like he was always going to get the ball, and it's just like, um, why wasn't he named as the starter then? I wonder if he was just trying to keep him locked in and make sure he had a good week of practice. Is that a thing in baseball? A good week of practice for pitchers? Do you even practice during the week? It, I mean, he's going to long toss, but I don't think he's yeah. I mean, like you don't go out and pitch like during the week, right? No, he's not. So maybe he just know. wanted to question like his medal. Like maybe Beam was walking around like, "Give me the ball." Like maybe he was trying to see if he wanted it. I don't know. I don't know. The second thing is that Christian Scott just is um, 
he's awesome. He's been awesome in SEC play. He's, uh, I know at one point, like, I can't remember what game it was, but he got on his first four times up. He, uh, he at least seems to understand that, like, to score runs, the first prerequisite of scoring runs is having base runners, and getting a walk is just as good as a hit, especially when you're at the bottom of the lineup. And he take he always has great bats, and then, you know, I mean, he can obviously also hit for power. He had the huge double, he had the huge home run, but there was another time where there was a guy on third, less than two outs, and he hit the ball to the right side to get the run in. He actually ended up getting on base, beating at, beating it out, but... He has the best at-bats on the team. Him and Inslee are the best situational hitters, but he has the best at-bats on the team. If, if Maui Ahuna would, would would have the same mindset that Christian Scott has, he, is a, he would be so much better. Christian Scott's been amazing. He's been, he's been, he's been a revelation. It's, it's, and then, you know, he gets, he hits the home run. His dad's out there in right field and gets the ball. That was really cool. Well, the problem is, yeah, like if, what you're saying is if you can find a superstar with a, you know, a desperate role player. I know, I know, I know. Like, just put on the Boston Celtics Miami Heat series and you'll see that. You know what I mean? Like, you got no, Tatum and Brown and a bunch of stars yeah, like Maliona. And then you got the Heat who are a bunch of dogs that are out there outworking them. And that's just the second time I've forced a Celtics shot in here in the last five minutes. It's more, it's, yeah, they're, they're 100% right. But it's also like if you're going to be the leadoff man, like, if you're going to be the leadoff what we don't need is for you to lead the team in K's. You either need to be a first ball, like, jumper and smash the first pitch, or you need to be a work, working accounts. Like, it has, to, it, can't, it has to be one or the other. Work accounts some. I mean, like, yeah, you're obviously not going to like – Christian Scott is very, very willing to get hit by the baseball. I don't think Maliahuna needs to do that. But I think he could work the count better, a lot better, <laughs> a lot better. But Christian Scott has been awesome. Um, and then Cal Stark, I think, is good for about one extra base hit a, a, ser- a weekend, which is um, well, that's a lot more than you had been getting out of the catcher position. Game one for Tennessee and Hoover supposed to be the second game of Tuesday. Tennessee plays Texas A&M. You keep up with all the projections. You keep up with all the metrics. I don't really know what the hell is going on. What does Tennessee need to do in Hoover to feel good about hosting next weekend in Knoxville? I think they have to at least win two, but also I think everyone should just go ahead and get used to the fact that it's very, very stupid. The way that they seed the teams is very, very stupid, and Tennessee could absolutely get screwed just because they want to add another team to even out the geography of it a little bit. So, like, put somebody on the West Coast that way, like, to limit travel for people? Well, like, yeah, there, so there's one West Coast team that's going to host right now, and that's Stanford. And then you also have the idea that, like, what the D1 Baseball Podcast, like, so D1 Baseball Podcast, they, like, had, like, they had, like, four, they had, like, three or four seeds left, and it was down to, like, Alabama, Tennessee, and someone else. And they gave it to Alabama and the other team. And then they ended up just giving the last spot to Texas because they're like, hey, this makes sense geographically because there's a lot of teams that can go to t- – that it, it will be good. So basically they're not going to make teams travel, yeah, from like the the west to all the way to Knoxville. Yeah. They'd be so more they, likely to put them yeah. in Austin. So they added like Texas, and I want to say – I think they also added Oregon State. I'm going to look right now. 
Seems kind of crazy, but it also makes sense for a sport that doesn't have like a huge budget for travel, I guess. Oh, it was Oklahoma, it was Oklahoma State. They were like they they were like, well, you know, we don't have a seed out of the Big Twelve, and you know, because it's Oklahoma State, Texas, and West Virginia split the Big Twelve. So they just decided they were like, we like Oklahoma State the best, so just go ahead and give it to them. And then they ended up giving that last one to Texas just because. So I think people should be prepared for some something stupid like that. And no, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense because Miami is like a pretty high seed. I think they're like the 11th overall seed. Well, Tennessee's RPI is is better than Miami's. It's just straight up better than Miami's. And we're told Miami we're told RPI is king over and over and over again. Well, then why is Miami Miami's a lock for a for a for a top 16 seed that have them as 11. So it's it's very stupid. They basically it comes down to the fact that they can't give every single one to an SEC school. Are they usually pretty spot on with this? I have no idea because last like the last two years Tennessee was such a lock to be like a top five seed. That didn't matter. Yeah. That didn't matter. Like if Tennessee could have lost their first two games in the SEC tournament and been the number one overall seed last year. And we know they do take travel into account. That's part of the reason we got Wright State and Duke, right? Like they put yes, and Liberty with Duke and Liberty. Yeah, like they kind of kept it geographically. So sounds like Seth is saying to prepare yourself not to host a regional unless Tennessee does something special. In Hoover, they play Texas A&M on Tuesday. The first game is single elimination, so all the Tuesday games are one and done. If Tennessee wins that, they'll play Arkansas on Wednesday, and then that shifts to double elimination. That's how it works down in Hoover. Tennessee didn't have to worry, obviously, about the single elimination day last year, as they were the one seed. Yeah, I just I, I, like I think it's I think that last SEC spot. And there's also South Carolina waiting in the weeds, which it depends on if RPI does matter that much. And do they factor in the injuries? Like South Carolina says that they're getting these offensive players back, but they're not getting their starting pitcher back. I mean, I feel like it's between Alabama and Tennessee for the last spot, which is stupid because Alabama has a, Alabama's like, has a super high RPI and then, but they have Auburn safely as a top 16 seed. Well, okay. Like, if Tennessee got to play Ole Miss too, like think about the the boon that you had if you got to play both of the Mississippi schools this year. Who neither one made it to Hoover, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee did it. So like, because that was part of like I think South Carolina when they started eight and one, like six of those wins were against the two Mississippi schools. I mean, like if you got to play those two schools, this Tennessee didn't, and Auburn and Alabama all did. Like that should. Fa- I, that obviously should factor in. Now we played Mississippi State, right? We didn't play Ole Miss. We State. played Mississippi State, but we but we didn't play Ole Miss. Okay. And you're saying play both of them, and we've got the yeah, like you know Auburn got to play Auburn got to play Missouri, Auburn got to play Missouri, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. We can't really say that about Missouri after they kicked our asses. No, I know, but they got to play the three worst teams, is what I'm saying. Tennessee, you know, like those three extra games that Tennessee, if Tennessee could have played Ole Miss instead of LSU, well, Tennessee, you know, it's just kind of all. I don't know. The RPI, it just seems stupid because RPI sometimes is king and then other times it doesn't matter. I think geography will will factor in, unfortunately. I think Tennessee is still going to be favored in both their regional. Definitely in their regional. I think Tennessee will be a pretty heavy favorite to win their regional. You know, if they go play uh, in Miami, which was projected, like I'd imagine Tennessee's going to be pretty favored in that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't think. Like Tennessee has what the fifth best odds, fourth best odds right now to win it yeah, all. I saw fifth last night. I think. Yeah, I, I, I fully expect that if Tennessee gets two seed, they're not going to get sent to Wake Forest. Okay. 
Right. Like they're going to get sent to somebody like Wake Forest or Coastal Carolina, somebody where you're feeling like you're going to feel pretty, pretty good about and it. I think Tennessee will be favored in their Super Regional too. Like I think Tennessee is going to be, again, assuming it's not like Wake Forest, and even then, like Tennessee has the reputation and the talent where you could make it pretty close to even. Like Tennessee is going to be in fine shape. They just might have to do it on the road. Yep. Which would suck. Yeah, I mean the way the way Tennessee's pitching staff worked last weekend, um, you know, who has a better starting rotation, Wake Forest? Maybe I think Wake has, supposedly has like a really good starting rotation. I don't know. I'm just like, it's just I know I'm I, like I'm not doubting that Wake Forest is good. It's just hard to take them seriously. Like maybe they are that awesome. They they, they probably are really really good, but I don't know. John Curry is licking his lips. John Curry, John Curry wants us to be that 16 seed so bad, doesn't he? He wants, he wants, yeah. Have you seen their baseball field? No, I haven't. Gold turf, bro. Gold turf. Did it come out of whether or not that was a realistic report out of the ACC media days? Did John Curry actually try to get in a fight with somebody, or is that like somebody shit posting? I didn't see that. Because they were talking about how high the tension was at the ACC media days because, you know, you had seven yeah. teams trying yeah. to leave, basically. The Magnificent Seven is what they yeah. called it. what a dumbass name that was. But, yeah, there was somebody tweeting, and you never can tell who's real and who's legit and who's not, especially, you know, without the, the verification system. And he had posted something about John Curry, like, getting in the face of somebody and, like, you know, almost coming to blows. But, again, I don't know if that's real or not, so don't sue me, John Curry. That would be uh... – that would be interesting from, you know, like he, he like went and taught at Columbia after he got fired from UT. It'd be very interesting to see, you know, him and his like, you know, Brooks Brothers persona be out here like getting in fisticuffs. Any thoughts on the end of the Uros Plavich, Plavich the Uros Plavich era? Yeah. Uh, he officially announced his goodbye, said he's out, going to play professionally. I imagine he means overseas and not in the NBA, just for the record. Stat from uh, Brother Will Warren that uh, it took him 18 games to get his first block despite being seven feet tall and that he shot 34% from the free throw line. 34 I, I want to know what percentage he would have shot if you removed banks because I feel like he's banked a good number of free throws oh, in too. Man. He probably finished his free throw career with six banks and six air balls. Man. Which is to say that there's not a lot of consistent touch there. <sighs> I mean, Eurosh. The the discourse around Eurosh was pretty toxic. He was he was very hated by some. I just you know, it's it's hard for me to like really hate any of those guys. Like my disgust comes from like our offensive system. I mean, like, yeah, Euro should never have been playing, but it's his fault that he was. No. Like, he brought some toughness to the He team. brought some toughness, man. Like, he, he, Kyle Filipowski's glad he's going pro. I mean. We did have a pretty good record with him in the starting lineup, too. Even if he just came in for, like, three minutes and then got benched. Like, we had a pretty good record with him as a starter. What was your favorite Uros moment? I think my would be him giving the too small to Hunter Dickinson. I was, I was just thinking about him giving the too small. 
It. I don't know why that has stuck with me, but it has. Because we got our ass beat. Like Hunter Dickinson whipped his ass after that. Hunter Dickinson out there hitting threes. He had the nerve. He had the unmitigated gall to give Hunter Dickinson the too small. That's not the own you think it is, Arosh, because he. You are bigger than him. You were bigger than him. You didn't really have anything for him. Goodbye, Arosh. I imagine he'll come back in five or six years and get a ovation somewhere. Yeah, I guess. Maybe like eight years, nine years from now, and they, they'll honor that last year's basketball, or two years ago's SEC championship. Yeah, that's true. They'll come back and they'll talk about the SEC tournament championship, and, and he'll be on the, that team. And he'll come and he'll, he'll get a standing ovation. He did give the team some toughness, but man, did he do some dumb shit. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Uh, you get access to the baseball game threads. Those will come in handy down in Hoover now that we're in postseason play. And if we do host a regional, there's a chance that, uh, you know, we'll do some giveaways for two tickets for a couple of the games because I'll be out of town, so I don't need the tickets. So Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Sign up if you want to be eligible for those. Let's get to some questions. Brother Ryan Shannon asked if you could pick one player to get hot for the postseason, who would it be? Probably Aouda. Okay. Just because I think like the confidence that he would give the rest of the team is probably good. And I think like he'd be my pick that if he gets hot, he could also get hot in the field. Yeah. And like having a shortstop sucking everything up over there and turning plays and making diving stops. I don't know, feels like a pretty big deal to me. It's you know, it's a good answer because if he gets hot like, Inslee is so steady, and, like, you know what you're going to get out of Inslee. You're going to get hits out of Inslee. He's not going to strike out. You know, he's going to move. He's going to put the ball in play and, and move Ahuna, and then you have your best overall hitter in Dickey. Yeah, assuming, like, he's back at the top of the lineup. If he's at number nine, I don't want to talk about that. But, like, assuming he's back in the top, you know, one or two spots, then, yeah. Like, having someone on base, you know, once every two or three innings to start the inning would be a pretty big thing for me. Yeah. I am actually going to go with Chase Dolander. Oh, okay. I'm going to say I would pick him to be like he was on Saturday. Yeah. I think if he's like that, I, I don't think anybody's going to beat. I would like to know how different Vitello would have approached that had it been a nine-inning game. Because, you know, he blamed the doubleheaders. He was, he was, he would have, I think 100% he keeps him in, in a nine-inning game. And I think he would have gotten out of it. Yeah. But, like, he's talking about he had a full bullpen and they were down to basically – Two innings left, and then a whole, you know, seven innings of the next game. So, like, basically, like, I had a whole bunch of arms I needed to use. Because, you know, Andrew Lindsay was so good on Thursday night, or I guess it was Friday night, whenever he, you know, went and pitched a complete game that they had a bunch of arms they needed to use and that they could use, and I think he overthought it. That, uh, that, that fastball from Lindsay with the movement, man, it's, it's filthy. It's nasty. The righties cannot handle it. Brother AJ. It'd be great if Blake Burke could get hot, too, because, you know, obviously when he gets hot, he starts launching the ball. Yeah. Um, I would just take a couple of doubles at this point, though. Yeah, he's a uh, – he hasn't been having good at-bats lately. No, no. So him getting really, really hot would be cool, but I just it doesn't seem like it's a, a realistic possibility. No, yeah, him getting out of the cellar would be cool. Yeah, just get on base a couple times. Brother AJ asked for you. Um, will our Lakers make this series competitive? I'm going to say the ship has sailed 
on that, brother AJ. We gave it a good run. And unlike the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers haven't rolled over like a bunch of dogs. They've at least fought in all three games. They've had a fourth quarter lead in all three games. They're just over three. The Nuggets are really good. Any thought, you know, when I, when I took the Lakers to win the West, you know, at the trade deadline. And my thought was, you know, there's a pretty good chance that they'll have the best, you know, the best two players. They'll have two of the best three players in every series. Yeah. That wasn't the case against Denver because Jokic is obviously an MVP. But Jamal Murray is back to, you know, shooting fireballs out of his ass. So he's better than LeBron James at this point. So they didn't have the two best players. So the Nuggets are just deeper and better. I do think the Lakers win game four, though. I don't think they're going to go out sad. They could, but I don't think they will. But they're not going to make it competitive. Like, they're going to maybe win game four and then get beaten game five. Brother Logie asks, um, for you, whether it's pickleball, basketball, or anything in between, who are some athletes that you model your game after? I mean, I've always just... I've always liked Draymond, honestly. It's because he's not very athletic. And in basketball, I can't score, and I can't score either. Like in basketball, like when I'm, whenever I go run, and it's been a while since I got out there and played, actually, we need to get a game together. I like rebounding, and I like playing defense and making passes, just like Draymond, and talking trash. I don't talk trash as much to people these days. But that's kind of what I – people who are very unathletic are who I try to model my games after. Back in the day, it used to be Zebo, Zach Randolph, like, you know, just be thick and can't really move around too good. Brother Logan also asked for me, what are some of my go-to time-killing activities while at work? Um, I typically go down whatever rabbit hole I'm currently going down, and I go down that rabbit hole on Wikipedia. How many things do you Wikipedia? A week. How many new things? You talk about rabbit holes a lot. Like, how many things catch your interest for, like, just a week and you become really obsessed with them? Uh, it lasts longer than a week because, like, the black hole stuff, the space stuff has been going on for, like, three or four months at this point. Okay. So you go, you average maybe three or four a year? Uh, I don't know. It just depends. I, I'm, I'm still really big, really big into space right now. And it's got, it's, it's taken several, you know, it's, the, the beautiful thing about space is that it's so big, obviously, you know. And so there's so many different things that you can go down, like uh, different types of propulsion systems. So I've gotten, be- I've gotten, and I've also like gotten big into rockets and Tesla. I've been, I've been watching live Tesla flights lately. I mean, they're talking really bad. They're talking really nerdy stuff. But like different, um, also different um ways that humans could traverse the vacuum, such as light sails and you know different types of propulsion systems. And would you pay twenty thousand dollars to go into space? One million percent. Thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty thousand. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. What's the going rate for going into space? Is it, is it still in the millions? I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I find a I, I, hundred thousand. Yeah, uh, probably not. No. Okay. Um, I find that well, like you could the finance it and pay it over ten years. Yeah, I would for you sure. Pay ten thousand dollars a year for ten years to to go to space. Yeah, 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 yeah. One hundred percent. I like the the Starship, the Tesla Starship. Those those the, the motors, like, the, I mean, the rocket motors on that Starship, the Raptor engines that they're called. I mean, we are talking like these are insane feats of engineering. You know, like that they are just 
absolutely insane. Um, have you been Googling just like going to the space station and trying out some of their stuff? Do they have like <laughs> simulators you can get in? Uh, they do here in town. That's what I'm saying. Like, do you, have you I've done some before. I've, d- I've done some before, like at field trips and stuff. Like, No, I mean like now as an adult. Oh, no, 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 no. How realistic are those experiences? Do they I, I don't know. G-force? Can they even like actually make your body do that since you have so much training? That's really they can only do like 70% of like what's real or maybe even less than that. Yeah, I don't know. The G-Force one, like, I remember the last time I rode it, I was little, and they were like, you know, hey, don't move your eyes. You need to stare at the center of the, of the centrifuge, you know, like, don't don't move your eyes. And, like, I'm, they started, and I'm just, like, moving my eyes around, looking at the guys beside me and stuff, and, I mean, I got sick as a dog. Yeah, it happened to me once at the fair. You know, they put you in that big spaceship that spins really fast and spins in circles, and you can, like, get stuck to the wall. You don't want to start looking around. You got to keep focus. That's what I compare it to. I used to flip upside down. Because you flip upside down in those? No, you don't. It's just a pure centrifuge. You just whip around. Yeah. But the space thing, I mean, like I was, I've been done a lot of black holes, done a lot of galaxies. Um, and then, you know, lately I've been like uh, theoretical space travel and how we could do that. You know, wormholes. There's, there's something called, there's something called white holes, actually. There's, there's, uh, white holes are theoretical, but there are, you know, these things called white holes. So, that's what I do. So that's your version of time theft, Wikipedia. Well, it's also, like, if there's, like, something I need to do, like, at work that I'm, like, dreading, like, a hardware type thing, um, you know, I'll go do that in the lab, just to, if I need to get it done, I feel like. But a lot of times I will just, if I, like, have, like, 30 minutes to kill. I just read Wikipedia. Wikipedia is the most amazing website. I mean, it really is. Do you donate? No, I do not. You haven't donated? No, no, no. I gave I give them $3 a year. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I need to then. I need to. I mean, I don't know if I would suggest doing it because then they'll email you all the time wanting money. <laughs> And like tell you, they do gas you up. They're like, you're one of the only, like, you're one of like three percent of readers who actually care about us and want us to stay alive and want us to keep operating. Thank you so much. Most people just ignore us. I give them three dollars a year though. There's so much information on there. That's my go-to. Like any topic I want, I type in what the topic is in Wikipedia, and I trust it implicitly. Well, the thing about, so like people are talking about you can't trust Wikipedia, which to me is, okay, like look, there's sources on the bottom of Wikipedia articles. 20 years ago, 20 years ago they said you couldn't trust it. I think that's just because teachers didn't want us to have it so easy on research. 1,000%, I I believe that. Like you can absolutely trust Wikipedia. It sources the information. So if you see something, because like occasionally I will come across something that is like, you know, man, it really seems like the guy that this article is about wrote that or whatever. Well, you can go to the source and check it out. Like it's yeah, I had a, I had a my first radio boss wrote his on Wikipedia. So there are some people that you know that aren't maybe telling the truth, but the big things I think are all legit. I I, I agree, I agree. So I give up my three dollars a year proudly. Brother Garrick asks, how many years of basketball not making the NCAA tournament, not beating Kentucky, would you trade for baseball to win the College World Series this year? Uh, none. So you would not trade one year? <sighs> yeah, I guess I would trade none. I just think Tony's always, Tony's going to have us in Omaha 
a lot. Yeah, but I don't I don't want to let the narrative grow that he yeah. can't win at all. Yeah. Because, I mean, getting to Omaha would be cool every year, but, like, if you – haven't won it within like seven or eight years. That becomes a talking point. You know what I mean? Like, you don't. You don't want to become Dave. You don't want to become Dave Van Horn. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. One. One. One is a good answer. Probably one or two. The if you would have asked me, I'm actually excited about this basketball team. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't want to do it this year. But after this year, like three, I think I would sacrifice three if I got one more run this year with like Santi, and you know the. Whatever transfers we have, whatever is left of this team, mm-hmm. I think I'd probably trade three for a natty. Because okay. chances are, like when we get rid of Barnes, it might might happen like that. You know what I mean? So this might be. I would treat this year as this year as Barnes's last stand, and either he finally breaks through with a preseason top ten team, or we move on and I get rid of basketball for three years to win a baseball natty. I probably would have answered that way differently last year. Well, A, I would have had more confidence. I didn't have to make any bargains. But I would have I would have given up three with in a heartbeat to win last year's national championship where you were like the stamped most hated team, but also the stamped greatest team of all time. Had yeah. Tennessee won it all last year. That would have meant so much more than winning it this year. Is yeah. that fair to say? No, I 100% agree. Like, having that big fuck you season and capping it off with a natty and making everyone so angry would have been worth at least three years. Without a doubt. So you say one, I say three. Speaking of getting rid of Rick Barnes, Brother Tech Ball, a.k.a. the Milton Maniac, asks, Rick Barnes has died from the novel coronavirus. Milton Maniac's pretty good, actually. I hadn't seen that yet, the Milton Maniac. Who's on your short list to replace him? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't given any thought to that. Who's on your short list? I have no idea. I I would say... Steve Forbes. So I was going to say, nobody that has any ties to Tennessee. Yeah, give me Steve Forbes. I mean, we'll see what happens with, you know, um, we got some, you know, a lot of assistants out there. Like Rick Barnes has put a tree out there. Oh, Rick Barnes. Yeah, he's always going to get good assistants because... He gets them, and they immediately get head jobs. It's pretty impressive. Now, do any of those guys love Tennessee? Do any of those guys look at us as like a big-time job and know we're special and would come here? Are any of them good enough to get the job? I don't know. We'll see what Kim English does. Like, I don't even know if he'd want to come back to Tennessee, but there are, you know, what, five or six coaches coaching? All, like, D1 jobs? Surely one of them's worth a damn, and maybe they care about Tennessee. Yeah, I think Tennessee basketball is a really good job and does not need to constrain itself to those parameters. Now, if one of those guys is like just a baller, sure. then sure. Brother Davey asks, do you go sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or, and this is bizarre, sock, shoe, sock, shoe? I go sock, shoe, sock, shoe. Do you really? I really do. I swear to God, every morning. Assuming that my shoes that I'm wearing are like up here in my bedroom, I go sock, shoe, sock, shoe, because I put them on at the same time, and I just have to pick up each leg one time. Okay. I put the socks on the edge of my bed, like on my comforter. Yeah, I do too. And then I put the shoes in the socks there, and then I just put one sock on, and while I have my leg up, as I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, I put the shoe on, and then I do the other one. It reduces the action by 50%. 
I feel like you would understand that as an official. I, re- I, w- I was going to say I rescind my statement about it being bizarre as you've proved the economy of, of doing it this way. Just give it a try sometime. See how it feels. Now, if you don't if you don't put your shoes on in your bedroom and you got them next to the door, it would be a different answer, obviously. I'm not carrying my socks to the door. But I typically put my shoes on and my socks in my bedroom. I do, too. I bring my shoes back with me. I go and get them and bring them back. Well, I just got all mine in my closet that's, like, right next to my, my, my bed. Just give it a try. See, see how it fits. You might like okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I normally, like, I, uh, I put both socks on. Then I'll put one shoe on and the other shoe on, and then I'll tie the first shoe first. Oh, yeah. So you're doing this so bad. Yeah. Yeah. You got your legs up and down like five times. Brother David asks, um, how pathetic are the LARPers who act like their sport is interesting? Wait, do, you, do you do you tie your shoe every day? You don't just slip them on? I just slip them on, yeah. I slip them on. Well, you said you but, if I was, but if I was going to tie them, that's how I would do it, like okay, my running okay. shoes or whatever. Yeah, but like my, say, ru- my running shoes are the only shoes I untie and tie. Everything else yeah, yeah. pretty much. They either got rigged where I don't tie them or they're loose enough where I just slip them on. Yeah, my, my new balance is I just slip them on. Okay, just wanted to check. Yep. My brother David asks, how pathetic are the LARPers who act like their sport is interesting when the same team has won the Premier League the last five out of six years? I was thinking that this weekend, actually, when I saw Man City celebrating. I was like, don't they win every year? How is this entertaining? How is this fun? Now, on the other hand, I will say that maybe they are the are they the only sport that can consistently, constantly feel like they are crowding the best team. Because in the NFL, I would say it's you know probably fifty fifty at best. I did not realize that they had won it so many. Do you remember the first one that they won? Like I was, we were. It was like when Sergio Aguero. Got that goal, and like the the Gallagher brothers are there, and they start playing the Oasis song, and like it was a very cathartic. They played scene. Wonderwall, or they got another song. Uh, I can't remember which Oasis song they sing, but they do yeah. have. Um, I yeah, I don't really like Wonderwall that much. Um, That's only what I know. It it was a very cathartic, amazing scene. They had that huge comeback at the end, and they won their first one. Like I'm trying to see. But I didn't realize they had won five out of the last six. Like, is it not getting a little boring at this point? I mean, I was wondering that they they haven't won a Champions League, so they still got that carrot they're chasing. But yeah, the and plus, I thought did they get in trouble a couple years ago? I thought they got caught cheating. Did the did the league just not do anything to them? Do they get to keep all the players? Do they get to keep all the players they cheated to get? I, I have no idea. Can someone answer that? It doesn't have to be right now, but just whenever you hear this. Please post in the Hoover Pod thread and let me know what the hell happened to Man City when they got caught cheating. Because I thought it was a wrap for them. And here they are, still still uh, Premier League champions, running away with it, and still you know, looking for that first Champions League title, although this might be the last year we get to make fun of them, Seth. I mean, it's like, what is Chelsea doing? Chelsea is also owned by some, like, trillionaire, right? Who are they owned by now? He ain't got that dog in him, though. Okay. So, well, I thought Arsenal, was Arsenal, like, up big and they just choked it away? What happened? They just ain't got the dogs in them. Man City just kept, I mean, I don't know how big they got. I do know that everyone was saying Arsenal was going to win it. And, then like, there were some Man City people and other, like, Arsenal, like, old football players and analysts. Uh, there's been a lot of clips circulating there of people, like, warning that this was going to happen. 
Apparently, Man City is just a machine, and they're just inevitable. It's basically what the people were saying like months ago. Like, no, they're going to catch Arsenal and pass them, and probably win going away. They won by seven points, so yeah, and it's not even over. I think there's still one more match left. So Paul Paul's Newcastle United, which I mean, Paul Paul claiming to be a fan of Newcastle United is the biggest joke on planet Earth. But he claims to be a fan of Newcastle United. They came in third, so uh, oh, good for good them. For, good for them. I hope they do well in the Champions League. Um, Brighton and Hove Albion got that uh, qualification for the Europa League, so good for them. Leicester City is uh, out. Didn't they win it not that long ago? I think about this point, it's been like 10 years. I feel like when they had their little Cinderella run. I don't remember exactly what year that was, but I think it was like 12 or 13. Yeah, my Liverpool Reds, looks like they uh, they aren't making it back to the Champions League either. Looks like they're going to finish fifth. It'd be that way sometimes. I guess, I don't know who came in fourth. Oh, okay, so they're not out yet. They have to do... Uh, yeah, there's still a game the, left, so the standing... Oh, 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 there's still a game left. Okay, I, I was looking at that as if no, it was done. No, there's still a game left for everybody. Okay, my bad. So, um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought there was a little more parity in the Premier League. Well, it sounds like in the top four there are, just not number not the number one spot. It sounds like two, for five, two, through, two, three, and four are open. I mean, I guess oil money is still undefeated, but, you know, they say that, that data is the new oil, so... Not sure how much longer the oil barons have left, but I guess you can still buy one great soccer team. Do they say that? Some people say that, yeah. That whoever owns the data, the yeah, they'll be the next Rockefellers. That's pretty good. I like that. I didn't come up with that myself, but no, yeah, no, I know. I just that's a pretty good saying. I need to start getting some data. I do have all the patrons' emails. You think I could sell those? Probably, yeah. Huh. Could be worth something. Brother uh, Panderson asks. What is our favorite album that has released in the year 2023? I'm actually very interested in this question, and I want people to also reply to this in the Discord thread because I've been meaning to ask for new albums because I've realized that I've been listening to pretty much the same stuff for the last, like, two or three years. But my answer that jumps out, and I might have to go through and actually look, but my answer that jumps out is probably... I have to go, again, check, but the first one that came to my mind was probably Miley's new album, honestly. I don't have one. I haven't been listening to any new music. Yeah, so you're in the same spot I am. I, I'm interested in trying new albums. My my, my favorite podcast is uh, The Rest is History by the English historians Tom Holland. Not the actor Tom Holland, but another Englishman named Tom Holland and Dominic Sandro. Not Dominic Toretto. Not Dominic Toretto. I went to see Fast X last night. How was it? As ridiculous as ever. Well, I mean, that's that's part of the allure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I I found myself, A, being a little bored because it's just, you know, you know it's just going to be so ridiculous. So, like, they've, whenever there's only one ridiculous thing a movie or two ridiculous things a movie, like, it, it still made you pop. But when it's, like, seven or eight ridiculous things a movie, it kind of loses its luster. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a man who has sex five times a day is not going to enjoy sex as much as the man who only gets to have sex, like, once every week. You know what I mean? That guy's going to be looking forward to that week. All day. Or to be looking forward to that day all week. I think that the movie franchise peaked for me with the one that me and you saw together in the movie theaters. Was that eight with the rock and like whenever they're out in Antarctica? Yeah, and, and they he, he puts his hand on the missile on the ice and, and deflects the missile. Into an op and blows up an op instead. Yeah, that, that I think was the peak. Now I don't have to go back and watch that movie to count how many ridiculous things that happened, but in, in last night's movie... There was at least, like, eight things that just made me be like, oh, my God. 
And I noticed that, like, no one else in the theater was laughing. I was laughing at those things because I thought that's a part of the appeal. But everyone else was very quiet. So I was a little confused. But not... I mean, it's a, it's a big, dumb, Fast and Furious movie. You'll be... If, if you like the movies, you'll like number 10. Brother Dylan asks, Are we more excited about Jason Isbell's new album or the Turnpike Troubadour's new album? Go ahead. Talk about how you hate Jason Isbell now. No, I... So... I, I do 100% think it's, it's... Like, I applaud Jason Isbell for, one, getting married, and two, getting sober. I think that it is, you know, really good that he got sober. Obviously, like, being an alcoholic and accusing Dirks Bentley of ripping you off and, you know, the embarrassment that that caused and, like, having to go to court over that is bad, and it's very good he got sober. However, unfortunately, as is the case... His music's just not as good now that he got married and cleaned up. So I am more excited for the Turnback Troubadours. However, I what isn't 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 it the same thing about getting sober? Yeah, he supposedly cleaned up. He supposedly cleaned up, but you know, I mean, we'll see. I just I also just there's something about like the edge, like it's like Jason Isbell still writes amazing songs. It's like the it like. When he was with the drive-by truckers, like I really liked the edge that music had, and now it's more of it's just kind of softer. Whereas I kind of I also just have kind of morphed into where I like more of like the the red dirt country feel that the Turnback Troubadours have with the full band with steel guitar and the fiddle yeah. and the upright bass. Like I just kind of like that music more to begin with. But that being said, like see, I still like just pulling out the guitar and singing a little sad song every now and then. I will say that like. Nothing will ever beat for me Jason Isbell on Decoration Day in the Dirty South. Did like, you watch the HBO documentary? No, I have not yet. Um, the early Jason Isbell will, I think, always be my favorite music. There's probably like one song I have ever listened to more in my life than Outfit, and that would be Atlantic City by the band. And I might have listened to Outfit more than that. Um, Turn, Turnpike doesn't fully do it for me, so I'll say I understand that. that. I understand that. I like a handful of their songs, but they don't fully do it for me. Yeah. I'll listen to the album, but I'm not really excited for it or anything. Yeah. I do but, think that the... T- you know, Isbell's in the same place that a lot of artists get. That When you start getting six, seven, eight, nine albums in and 20 years in, like you, you don't have as much to say. Yeah, and I think it's insane that, like... You know, I'm looking up Decoration Day. Like I mean, I think like album. when you get seven, eight albums in and 20 years in, like the best songs that you're going to write, I think you've already done for the most part. Now, there'll be a couple of, uh, you know, outliers, I think. Or maybe not, I shouldn't say the best songs you'll write, but like the most authentic songs you'll write, I guess. I don't know. Like Decoration Day came out 20 years ago. And like Decoration Day, the album is amazing, but the song is amazing too. It's about... Like the Alabama version of the Hatfields and McCoys, he had to be careful when he performed that song in North Alabama because he was afraid that the Holland Hills family would be in the crowd and try to like, you know, jump them that kind of or shoot them like. Uh, but I agree, like it's insane that we expect these guys to make like nine albums and they'll still get like Jason Isbell spent his entire life leading up to like those first couple songs on the Drive by Truckers album. 
like Tyler Childers had been his whole life leading up to purgatory. He just, you know, you're not going to have as much time to write these other songs and to craft them to, like, pour into them what you did to that first batch of music. I think you can still kind of find your voice and get better for, like, the first album. So, like, I won't say that, like, I don't care about, you know, album number two, three, or four, but, like, seven, eight, nine, that's when you kind of, what are you saying at that point? Kind of like the Fast and Furious franchise, you know what I mean? It peaked with The Rock throwing that nuke at a... At an op in Antarctica. That was number seven. You know, it was number eight. That's jeez. But it was really number five. You know what I mean? It was number eight, but it was really number five. Because the first three didn't really count for what they were trying to do four through eight. I agree with that. So, like, the first three would have been maybe Isbel in the drive-by truckers, but four through eight would have been, like, you know, his solo stuff. Yeah, like, his original, like, Big John was talking about his, his, his very, his... Second solo album, the one with Streetlights and the Blue. Like, that, nobody ever talks about that Jason Isbell album, and it is amazing. Streetlights is an incredible song. That is an amazing album. Um, Cigarettes and Wine. Like, nobody ever talks about that album. Like, I would. Wine is just so damn long. Like, that's, that album is awesome. Like, his early stuff, both with the 400 unit and solo, was, was, was amazing. Um, I wish they would just combine on, on, on Spotify, by the way. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. I hate that you have to go both sexes. Just put them all under one umbrella, please. Yeah, I agree. Like, same for Tom Petty. Like, put Tom Petty and Tom Petty together with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and Tom Petty and the Wallflowers. Just put them all together. Give us the option to do all that, please. Mac Miller, he's got like three different personas you got to go look for. Just put it all together. And I, I, I hate that. I hate that with Mac Miller. Rest in peace, by the way. R.I.P. Any other questions? No, that's all I got. All right, I'll talk to you. You going to Hoover, I assume? I will be, presuming we win tomorrow, I will be there Thursday. And I look so forward to win tomorrow, with then we're guaranteed at least a game on Thursday. Yep, correct. So you will be there Thursday if we win tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine we win tomorrow. Yeah, I think so too. I'd imagine we win tomorrow. All right, love you, brother. All right, I love you too, buddy. Bye-bye. Yeah. Shining on her sweet face And my heart's aching when she's away And if I'm lucky my hand she'll take And we'll walk through the hall of our mountains way Sweet dreams of seventeen West Virginia Mountain Queen Your whole lots of empty streets Burns through the night on kerosene Ohio's calling you, I can't breathe Won't you sit a little while and stay with me You lift, bring me to my knees And leave me shaking like autumn leaves
flower blooms I'm falling for what you do Dancing in the dark to a banjo tune Don't tell me what I got to lose My heart's walking away with you Sweet dreams, seventeen, West Virginia mountain queen. Hard lights of empty streets burns through the night on the kerosene. Ohio's calling you, I can't breathe. Won't you sit a little while and stay with me? You lift, bring me to my knees and leave me shaking like autumn leaves. 